We are blessed to have a relationship with God. As we've been here today, we've sung praises to God. We've gone to the Father and spoken to Him. We've done so through Jesus Christ. We talk to Him. It's our relationship with Him that's important. We've gathered around this table to remember Jesus. And as we partake of the emblems, it's our participation in Jesus. It's, it's a oneness with Him as we remember Him. And not only do we partake with Christ, have communion with Christ and relationship with Him, the vertical relationship that we remember here at this table, we also take, partake of it together. We're here together. We're not told to do this on the Lord's Day, every, every day of the week when you wake up first thing in the morning. We're told to gather together and partake of the Lord's Supper. We do this together. And in doing so, we recognize the Lord's body. We are the body of Christ. We remember one another. It's about a vertical relationship with God and also this relationship with one another as we reach out to one another. Everything about what we do here is relationship. As we learn about God's Word, I pray that uh, every Sunday that somehow we're reminded of Christ. I think every sermon should kind of point to Jesus because He is the... the He's the rock of our relationship with God. He is the foundation. Everything and every message that we have should point to Jesus. Uh, And as we gather today, we remember our relationship with Him is very special because of what He did for at the cross. And also His resurrection is a wonderful a piece of reminding us that since he has gained the victory, since we have a relationship with him, he shares that victory with us. He's the only reason that we have to hope. It's because of our relationship with Christ. So we're talking about our relationships, and we're this lesson is going to lead into other lessons about relationships, this being the easiest one. As I think about our relationship to Jesus. Let's talk about our relationship to Him. To start with, I want to go to John chapter 13. Let's learn some things about our relationship with Christ. And as we go away today remembering Christ Jesus and thinking about, well, the the world... Uh, so many people in the world, it seems like one or two days a year, they remember Jesus and, oh yeah, he's real, we're going to go honor him, whatever. But then they go through their, their week or through their lives most of the rest of the time and d- they disown him. They don't live like they truly have a relationship with him. They just remember him once or twice a year. I want to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus your relationship with God that comes through Christ, your relationship with God now that Jesus has ascended and sent the Holy Spirit to live in you and how it will help you live for Him, to please Him. I want you to be encouraged in that relationship. So in John chapter 13, verses 
13 through 16. Jesus is speaking, uh, and this is before, uh, likely before the Lord's Supper occurs, just before that. Jesus says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. So we see here in this language, this, here in these verses, this language that Jesus uses of Lord and teacher. Master and teacher. Whenever we hear the word Lord and used in scripture, usually it is in relationship to the idea of a master and a slave. Master and slave. That's a, I gotta pause and make a comment on that. It's a, the idea of a master and a slave because of our history here in the United States, it has a very, very negative connotation. But I want you to remember that as we think about Jesus Christ, is there anyone you would rather have as your master? This is a good thing. This is, this is uh, one that in the Old Testament there was, when they had slaves, if they wanted to stay with their master, they could go to their master and the master would, um, they would tell the master, I want to stay with you, I don't want to be set free. And they would take and pierce their ear, they would put an awl, put a, put a hole in their ear to indicate that they have given their life now to their master. That's a neat thing to think that you would love someone so much that you would feel so well treated that you would want to be their slave. That's a neat thing. So think about in terms of a master and a slave, consider having the world's greatest, most wonderful benefit. Uh, benefactor, this great, wonderful person that you have the opportunity to serve him and be cared for by him. That's the idea that we want. So as God, we think about Jesus, he has indicated here, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Jesus is Lord and Master of everyone. Someday, so though some people don't serve him now, someday every knee will bow before him. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Master. So it is true that Jesus is Lord, he is Master, and that makes us all his slaves. And I pray that we all in this gathering today or anyone who might be listening to us later, I, I pray that we all say, hey, I want Jesus. I want him to be my master. I will serve him, call me his slave. I will gladly wear that title. We are his slaves. Letter B says then, so letter A is that we are his slaves. Letter B says we must do what he says. If you turn and look at Matthew 7, 24, here is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says that if, you want, if you're wise, you will do what I say. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them. Whoever hears these words of mine and 
puts them into practice. He is like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. So it makes sense that we will be wise to listen to our wise and good master. We must do what he says. So here is just this idea of him being our master is that we will obey. We will listen and obey. When he says something, we will respond with, yes, sir. When we read something, we're like, oh, that's hard. Yes, sir, I'll do it. That is our relationship with Christ. He has given all for us. Let us obey him and walk with him and follow him. We are his slaves. Whatever he says, we will do. And we must, in this idea of being a, him, him being our teacher, that makes us his students. And in Scripture, that is a disciple. Whenever somebody comes to a rabbi, they follow a rabbi. That means they are truly walking along with him. They want to be like the teacher. The student wants to be like the teacher. That's why we did the series, or a, a sermon, a, a few weeks back about striving to be like Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to walk in his steps. We look at Jesus and we say, he is the best ever. I want to be like him. And we walk along the way and we start stumbling along the way and going different directions. And we're like, oh God, I need help. Help me, God. And so we always constantly are turning to God for help so that he can change us into what he wants us to be. It's God's work within us that makes us like our master. It's not us saying, oh, look how strong I am to walk in his steps. But he is patient and faithful with us, and he will transform us into the very image of Christ. From glory unto glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, our relationship with Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our Master. Same words there, same thought. He's our teacher. We want to be like him. We want to follow him, so we are, that makes us, we are his slaves. We think about our relationship with him. He's the master, we're the slaves. He says something, we do. He goes somewhere, we go, we follow him. We watch how he does things, and we're like, I want to do it just like that too. That's our relationship with Christ. Number two, he loves us by serving us. And this is all about relationship. And we think about this, this table here. We know Jesus went to the cross for us. Why does he do that? And the answer comes very simply, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. What a glorious thought. And he loves us in this particular passage in John chapter 13. He loves us by serving us. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that is our... And so, by the way, I said a minute ago, this is before, you know, when he, he was making the statement about um, the master and teacher. That was right before the Passover meal. That's indicated right here in this verse. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover... Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, 
He loved them to the end. Now I will note, I read that and I'm like, I know he's talking about his apostles. He loved them to the end. He's, the, he's getting ready to wash the apostles' feet. He doesn't wash my feet. I know, but I, we hear, we get captured in this and we know he would say the same about us. This is true of us too. He loved them to the end. He loves, loves, loves us just like he loved the apostles. Verse 2, during supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And you think about this passage, if I may give my little commentary on it. Jesus, he loved his apostles so much that he was willing to become the servant and serve them. He loves them so much. He wants them to know how much he loves them by serving them. He humbles himself. He elevates them, right? Because he's willing to get down and serve them in such a humble way, dealing with nasty, dirty feet. Peter recognized what he was doing. And he was like, oh no. So you can look at this, verse number 6. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord. And when we hear the word Lord, what do we think? Master. Master, do you wash my feet? You're the master. I'm the servant. Is what he's thinking. The master doesn't wash the feet of the servants. No way. Peter, I'll say he has the right attitude here. Isn't this right? But Jesus insists. And Peter says, you're the master. Go ahead and wash all of me. If that's what it takes to be one with you, to be a part of you, then do it all the way. So, Understand this, just like Peter, if Jesus wants to show his love for us, to demonstrate his love by serving us, then we should submit. We let him serve. Now it's interesting because I'm talking about relationship here, right? So it's very strange to me that if I were... As I went through this outline, I, wanted, I put number one, he is Lord and teacher. When I get to number two, I do it a little bit differently. I say he loves us by serving us. So if he is serving us, that means he's the servant, right? He is a servant. Jesus came to serve. Not to be served. He came to serve. But I can't bring myself to put on this paper... He's the servant, because then the corollary would mean, well, who's he serving then? Because whoever he serves, they're the master. And it's like, oh, that doesn't quite work, does it? We can't call ourselves the master. 
That's not true. So I have to word this one a little bit. But understand that Jesus gets down, humbles himself, and serves the servants. So he is a servant who serves the servants, and we are the humble servants who must submit to his serving us. Let him do his good work for you. You can't do what you need to do to save yourself. You can't wash and cleanse yourself of your sins. You have to submit to Jesus and let the most powerful, wonderful, godly, good person who ever walked on this earth, let him serve you. You must rid yourself of your pride saying, no, I can do this on my own. No, Lord, you don't serve me. You don't wash my feet. And you say, I submit, Lord, I need your help. We must submit to his service. We must submit to him he, in this passage about the washing of the feet. There is a washing, there is cleansing. And we know that's what we need for our souls. And we turn to him and we submit to him. Allow the great and wonderful servant to serve you. So here's our relationship. He's our Lord and Master. He's our teacher. He loves us by serving us. And then on number three, He is our Savior. We've already worked into this one, this point with that previous, the comments about Him serving us. Because in the letter, ah, two letter B's on my outline. How about that? (laughs) In point number two, part B, part two, It says his greatest act of service was to die for us. He becomes our Savior. Look at Philippians chapter 2. And this is a passage that I'm drawn to often. And I hope people don't tire of it. Get tired of me going there. But in Philippians chapter 2. Such a wonderful place in Scripture. We're reminded of how... Much Jesus served. If we're going to submit to him and let him serve us, we have to understand how much of a servant he was. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant. There he is. Jesus took the form of a bondservant. Humble as much as you can possibly be. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself he shows his love by not holding on to his place with God but letting go and becoming a servant and not just coming down here to walk around as a servant but he took the lowest place he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross where he suffered shame and humility and he did it to demonstrate his love 
for you and for me. That takes us to point three. He is our Savior. He is our Savior. He saves us from our sins. Matthew 1, 21, um, when the angel comes and appears to Joseph in a dream, you'll name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Name him Jesus. Jesus means Savior. He will save us from our sins. He is our Savior. Letter B, it says, by his stripes we are healed. There's the very, uh, it, it, it hits us hard as we think about this table to understand what really occurred, how Jesus is our Savior. He doesn't just come in with a, a sword and shield and, and destroy an enemy and, you know, he's a mighty king in that regard. He does it a different way from all the mighty kings of the world. He's the servant king. He's the humble king. And he's the one who rides in and he says, My people are enslaved to sin. What's the punishment for them? Eternity's worth of hell. All the people here gathered today, me included, we all deserve hell. We all deserve punishment. We all deserve eternal punishment. There's no way to possibly grasp eternity, let alone an eternity's worth of punishment, but that's what we deserve. Can't put that into words. When we sin against God, that's the payment. That's the price. That's the punishment that must be played, paid. And Jesus came... To pay it. He's the one who rides in on the, the white horse and he doesn't take arms and destroy. He says, I'll take the punishment. Don't get me wrong, he's a mighty king. But he's a mighty king who does his work as a servant. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. He saves us from our sins by taking the punishment that we deserve. It is by His stripes that we are healed. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse number 21. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. 
Those last words, shepherd and guardian, I'm like, there's, there's more to my sermon in, our rela- in terms of our relationship. Here's more relationship we have with Jesus. But just overall, this idea of Him being our Savior and how He is our Savior. That He went to that cross, but that was the cross that we deserved. That's the punishment we deserve. All the stripes, such a, it was a strange language when I was a kid. By His stripes we're healed, King James Version. By His wounds we are healed. Those whips that went across His back would leave stripes on His back. That's what I deserve. Not Him. He didn't have any sin. He, would, he had no deceit found in His mouth. And when people turned and did awful things to him, he didn't return evil for evil. He took it quietly because he cares so much for us. He served the punishment. He took it. Our sins went upon him. Our sins went to his body on that cross. Our sins were somehow paid for on that cross. In that three hours of darkness, he was hung on that cross. Historically speaking, from the time we are now, just this past Friday, he would have been hung on the cross a couple thousand years ago at nine in the morning. About noon, darkness came on the land, and that's until noon until three. And at three, he died. He was up there for three hours, for six hours before he died. And the three hours before he died in the darkness is when I think my. My sins went on him. That was the darkest of dark. Jesus experienced my sins upon him and suffered and died because of me. Who put Jesus to death? Oh, those Jews, they were terrible. They put Jesus to death. Yeah, they played a part. Oh, those Romans, those Romans, they're terrible. They put Jesus to death on the cross. Well, they played a part. But it's you and me, you and I, it's us. We played a part too. It's our sins that put him on the cross. He went there for us. He is our Savior and he saves us by himself taking the punishment that we deserve. By his wounds, we are healed. It's nice news. We remember that payment that was made his own life given so that we could be set free he dies so we can live we remember that every single sunday not just today he is our savior he's our lord and teacher he loves us by serving us he is our savior and number four he is our friend he's our friend a very different kind of god than any other imaginary made up God's in the world, Jesus, our Savior and our friend. Back to John. John chapter 15, verses 12 and following. John 15, 12. Somehow in here, uh, I, I think this is probably after the supper. John doesn't talk about exactly when the supper takes place. Verse 12, it says, This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love 
The theme about all of Jesus, all of this about relationship that we've got here, it all centers on this word love. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. And we have made clear to us through scripture, we have made clear what the disciples were so often confused about. They got confused all the time. What's Jesus talking about? This parable is weird. And Jesus is like, I wasn't a parable. <laughs> uh, and then he tells a parable and they say, well, where's the bread? Where, where's the water? Where is this food he's talking about? I don't see it, you know. He's like, I'm talking in a parable. You guys don't get it. They, had, they were confused all the time. But we have it made plain and clear. We're his friends. He has spoken to us. He cares for us in the greatest way that he has shown that we are his friends because he loved us so much that he died for us. Greater love hath no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus, to his credit, didn't even say, and he loved even more than that because he laid down his life for his enemies. He said, he invites his enemies in, and that is all of us. He invites his enemies saying, oh, no, you're not my enemy, you're my friend. We work against him with our sins, and we turn away from him constantly, and he's saying, no, I died for you, you're my friend, come to me, I want you in a relationship with me. I love you, I love you, I love you. He's our friend. He loves you more than anybody. He loves you more than your mama, more than your daddy. Jesus loves you the most. He died for you. No other friend is so good and so faithful. So I want you to consider your relationship with Christ. We celebrate him today, risen from the dead, we remember that uh, in the previous days he would have been in the, the grave, having been murdered on the Friday before. He did, it's all because he loved us. And so I encourage you to accept him, have faith in him, be baptized in him, to begin a wonderful relationship with him, taking him and making him your Lord and your teacher, obeying anything that he says, being quick to listen. And he loves us by serving us. We let him serve us. When we go into the watery grave of baptism, he does the greatest service that anyone will ever do for you. He forgives you and cleanses you, washes you. He uh, sends his spirit to abide in you. It's a wonderful thing. He is our savior. He is our friend. Let him be your savior and friend. If there's anybody who hasn't uh, haven't given your life to him, Gone, gotten into a relationship with Jesus, it's the best. The resurrection of Christ, it's the best news. Him saving us, it's the best news. I encourage you today, if you need to give your life to Him, you're welcome to come, and we will baptize you into Christ this very day. If there's anybody in the church who needs encouragement, we're, we're happy to pray for you. Won't you please respond as we stand together and sing?